0: Welcome to the Nigel Lee Archive, brought to you by Living Leadership, where every fortnight we share with you a sermon from the late Nigel Lee to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Here's today's message. Welcome to the Nigel Lee Archive podcast. I just wanted to pop in by way of introduction before today's episode to give you some important context. The following sermon was preached on a Sunday following the tragic death of one of the congregation members. This is important context and will be referenced throughout the sermon. To protect the identity of the person who passed away, and their loved ones, whenever they are mentioned, we have chosen to redact their names with a beep. We hope you understand this decision and that it doesn't spoil your listening experience. We hope the following sermon provides you with much comfort and encouragement as Nigel Lee unpacks Psalm 23.
1: On a day like this, um, for a while, and um, just share with one another and encourage one another, and just be together as, as God's people. Human life is so very fragile, isn't it, when you think about it?
2: always almost like a, a kind of beautiful Ming vase. It, it's so precious and, and so beautiful and yet so easily broken.
1: A bank holiday Monday can start out just normally. In the sunshine and we friends and it, By the time it ended, the whole of life is, is never going to be the same again. In this church, we have consistently
2: taught people for years and years, that the things that really matter in life are are not possessions. It's not a question of being super healthy or wealthy or powerful. It's relationships. Relationships, obviously, with with family and and with friends, with, with other people. But above all, with God himself. And we come back to that again and again and again. In one of the Psalms, Psalm 62, the first two verses go like this.
1: My soul rests in God alone.
2: My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. We can come back to him again and again. But when life cuts in on us and attacks those very things, family, friends, relationships, we look to the God who gave us life in the first place, who taught us these values that we've been reaffirming this morning and and singing together, and we look to him with our big human questions.
1: Why? I wonder, is there a person here who has been aware of what's been happening this week who hasn't asked that? And sometimes asked it to God. Why? And how do people cope now? And what is God saying?
2: And what have other people who have gone before anchored their faith to in times like this, of deep sadness and tragedy. Well, another thing that this church has always stood for has been this, this idea that God speaks to us and he speaks chiefly through the Bible. What the Bible says is what God is saying. Day after day, year by year. That's why it's called the Word of God. There are a number of psalms that are called the Psalms of Trust. Each of them is written by David the king, written um, when the chips were down, when he was uh, crying out to God, declaring in the face of crisis the things that he still believed, no matter what. Psalms like Psalm 11 Psalm 16, Psalm 62, and the best known of them all, the 23rd Psalm. We sometimes, I think, get the wrong idea that this is just a quiet pastoral poem, suitable uh, for reading on an untroubled sunny afternoon. Psalm 23 was actually written out of deep crisis. David has been battered. And he stands facing danger and is looking over his resources so that he can cope. David is facing hostile circumstances, and clearly in the poem, hostile people. And yet out of this experience comes this great psalm of trust. And in the whole psalm, turn to it if you will, we're going to look at some verses from it. The 23rd psalm, right at the very heart of your Bible, If you would like to read it, we're only going to read three verses. Hand up, and the Bible will come to
1: you. Find the 23rd Psalm. In this Psalm, David, the king,
2: makes three great statements about himself in his relationship with God. He says, firstly, I shall not be in want. Secondly, I shall not be afraid of evil. And thirdly, I shall one day live in the Lord's house forever. Do you see that? The first three verses. I shall not be in want. Verses 4 and 5. I shall not be afraid of evil. And in the sixth verse, I shall one day live in the Lord's house forever. Let's read those verses 4 to 6. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Verse 4, notice two things here. The journey that David speaks of and the journey that we all follow does go down into the valley that is called here the valley of the shadow of death. Or or perhaps the Hebrew means the valley of the darkest shadows. But it says, David, when I go down there, where it gets dark and colder and a bit more frightening, I will fear no evil. Death, says the scriptures, is the very last of the enemies to be destroyed. Paul is quite plain about that in 1 Corinthians 15, but it will be. One day, death will exist no more. It will never, ever again threaten anybody who's alive at that time with God. It will be no more. Revelation 21 says there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying. One day.
1: But for us now, here in this life, it still exists.
2: It is the last enemy to be defeated. It still exists, causing heartache and heartbreak and frustration and anger. And we feel these things, as the Lord Jesus Christ did. But for the Christian, the sting of death has been drawn, says that same passage in 1 Corinthians 15. There is no fear of separation from God. None whatsoever. There is no anxiety about where a Christian has gone to. No anxiety at all about where he d- is right now. No break at all in relationship with God. And that is entirely because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ after his death. We're still, aren't we, in the season of Easter. This accident that caused all this happened on Easter Monday. And it is our Christian framework of thinking that gives us the way of starting to respond to something like this. Dear friends, death is not the end. Hmm? Suffering is not the end. Evil does not win. The Word of God will tell us that on page after page after page. And our our hope, says 1 Corinthians 15, our reason for living, not tied up with this life alone. If it were, says Paul, we would, of all people on the face of this planet, be the most miserable people. No, our hope goes way beyond this life and is very sure and based on the resurrection. But King David can say, I fear no evil, though I go down into this valley, because no real harm can be suffered, not eternally. There may be damage to the body. But, says
1: David, I'm not afraid of anything worse than that. And the second thing I want us to notice from verse 4 is that the darker the shadow,
2: the closer the Lord. You are with me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Do you notice how the psalm gets more personal as it goes on? It starts off with words like this. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He guides me. But suddenly in verse 4, facing down, it's you. You are with me. He's not just out there somewhere, leading from in front. The shepherd has dropped back to walk
1: alongside David as he goes through that valley to what lies beyond. It is a tremendous thing to know and believe that, you know. I will fear no evil because
2: you are with me, with me on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday with the family today. Remember years ago, the the Hillsborough disaster, when so many young football supporters were crushed to death in Sheffield. Working that night in the hospital was a, a surgeon, uh, one of the team who was a Christian. And they worked on and on through the hours and, and eventually, utterly exhausted, he left the surgery
1: where he'd been working and went and had a cup of coffee in a canteen. Just to be alone for a few minutes. And then our colleague came to him and said,
2: what are you doing here? Can't you at least go and offer some words of comfort? To the grieving upstairs, where the parents and and the
1: others were all gathered. So he went up. And the first chap he came to was a big, sobbing dad, in a football shirt. And he went up to me and said, I'm so sorry at what has happened. As a Christian, all I can do is pray for you. And this big dad, through his tears, Say this. God, he says. What does God know about losing his son? He knows everything there is to know. Everything. I will fear no evil. What a comfort. You are
2: with me. In another um, of the Psalms, This one, not by David, but the 84th Psalm.
1: We read these words, verses 5 and 6. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who set
2: their hearts on pilgrimage. This journey we've been thinking of. As they pass through the valley of Baca, as it it says in in our NIV version, it means the vale of weeping. As they pass through that place, they make it a place of springs.
1: was saying, only yesterday.
2: Um, to some of us, he's probably said it to many. How many people have commented in Warwick Hospital in, in the last few days, and particularly in that intensive care ward, at the astonishingly different atmosphere around bed. The nurses commented on it. It got to such a state as the week went on that other people from other departments in the hospital were actually taking a detour in order to come into that ward, to be there, just to experience whatever it was that those great nurses who have been working so intensively on that ward have been telling them about during the course of the week. They've been commenting on the strength displayed by... The support of of friends and and family. They've never seen anything like it. There is a man in that ward today. And since the moment he was taken in, he's never had a single visitor.
1: In their days, there's never been a
2: moment when haven't had folk there with them. The Lord promises to be with us. And that promise has been fulfilled, it's been manifested again in our midst, within our own church family experience in the course of
1: these last few days. And Those who in
2: God, who have their hearts set on this pilgrimage to glory, as they go through life and through things they would never have intended or chosen, What happens is that the veil of weeping can even then become a place of springs where other people can sense something and have questions raised and hope granted.
1: It's happened again. And David says, Your rod and your staff,
2: O Lord, they are a comfort to me as I go through this. The rod was a a heavy club or cudgel, something that would ward off enemies or predators. The staff were like a crook uh, to support and rescue the sheep who got themselves into difficulty. The shepherd as he strides along with the sheep carries both of those instruments of his shepherding. That with which he can deal with danger and that with which he can rescue his sheep. I'm safe. You're with me to protect me. I fear no evil.
1: And then in verse 5, the
2: threat starts to turn, to triumph. What do we see here? A meal, a banquet, being prepared for when the battle is over. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And we thought of that last great enemy of death itself. You prepare in the presence of my enemies a banqueting table. As we read through the psalm, the whole picture of the Lord Jesus is starting to change in front of our very eyes. He's not only a good shepherd moving along the journey with his flock. Now he's starting to appear before us as a gracious host waiting to receive his guests on arrival at his home. So you'll be anointed with a sweet-smelling Oil at the door. The cup of joy and satisfaction and wholeness is so full that it's actually overflowing.
1: Some of us get there earlier than others. But it's true for any believer in the Lord Jesus. All the way through this psalm do you notice there's a lot of outdoor walking at the beginning. Across pastures, in verse 2.
2: By streams, also in verse 2. Along pathways that need guidance, in verse 3. Down valleys, verse 4. Now as we reach towards the end of the psalm, the psalmist is arriving at the goal of his journey, his eternal home. Indoors now.
1: At a banquet. This is home.
2: Believe it. This is not just some... Brief courtesy call. This is not just dropping in or a one night stopover. This is welcome forever. Look at the end of verse 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord
1: forever. And I guess people newly arrived are being introduced with wonderment to all that the Lord has prepared for them. And he belongs there? He's in the Lord's
2: home. One of King David's own sons died in infancy. And as David was grieving and pondering this, he came out with the words, He will not come back to me. I will go to be with him that he was certain of. This is the home
1: of all true believers. Can I say
2: that events like
1: this that we are living through are a profound challenge to every single one of us. You were all facing out with the uncertainty and the fragility of life. But what if it had been me? Or you? Are you ready? You young people. The friends of... of you were here last Sunday with him. On Easter day. He is with the Lord. Are you ready? Newcomers, visitors, are we ready? Living
2: life so uncertain and so fragile? Are the great truths that David is coming out with in this farm of trust, have you made them
1: yours? was the a question. He had consciously and
2: deliberately become a disciple. A Christian, a follower of Jesus, years ago, he joined this flock and he was heading for this goal at the end of the psalm. He knew without any shadow of doubt that his place in God's home was secure. He was ready. See, the psalm is very personal, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He guides me in the powers of righteousness. I will dwell in the Lord's
1: house forever. Can you say that? Are you ready? We can't leave this morning
2: without facing that challenge. If you haven't made these kind of things your own, safely yours, we need to talk. Perhaps afterwards, sir, here near the front or out near the meeting place, we need to talk and get this matter settled. Only then will you be able to say, as David does in the psalm, surely, goodness and love, follow me all the days of my life. It is a remarkable psalm, isn't it? And at the start, there's the sense of the Lord out in front, going on ahead, picking the way for us to follow. And then in the middle... When, when the shadows darken, he comes right alongside. He is with me in the valley of the shadow of death.
1: And then here, by the end, he's also bringing up the rear.
2: He's behind. Goodness and love follow me all the days of my life. It is the unique experience of a Christian.
1: Let's come to a conclusion.
2: If you haven't yet become a Christian, if you haven't yet given Christ your entire life, asked Him to be your Savior, said, Take me and my days, whether they be short or long, I want to know you, I want you to be my shepherd, I want to have my place secure in that eternal home. If you've never said that, you need to say it in faith, meaning it to the Lord Jesus Christ without delay.
1: And as we. uh,
2: Live through these things with... If we were to look at the circumstances alone, I think we could only just feel profound pain.
1: The bitter taste of a very tragic accident. No question. Something to make us weep, as we have done. But as a Christian, our eyes are on God, aren't they? A sovereign God, who has all things in his control. A God who is terrible and astonishing in some of the experiences that he entrusts us with.
2: Entrusts us with. The God who knows anguish and tears himself and who comes alongside us and walks with us. A God too who has prepared a place Where there is no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, ever. And a God who invites every single one of us to come and be with him. To join the safety of his flock on the journey now. And then to share his home for all eternity. That's the kind of God I want to love and follow and preach about for the rest of my days, and enjoy for the rest of
1: eternity. Brothers and sisters, let us in some small measure envy this morning. As God has been fulfilling his word, we have a problem, sure. But not surely goodness and mercy have followed him and follow us all the days of our life. And
2: he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a triumphant thing to know for your own personal experience. This is our faith. It's a faith that is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in the promises of his word. It is not a flimsy thing. This is something, I tell you, that is sustaining and all those close friends involved, sustaining them like nothing else on this earth can, at this time. We too can share
1: in the confidence and the strength of the Scripture,
2: of the Lord Jesus Christ, of his Spirit with us. And as we go, make the places of no doubt weeping, make them a place of springs.
0: Thank you for joining us today. The Nigel Lee Archive is brought to you as a podcast by Living Leadership. For more information on the Nigel Lee Archive or Living Leadership's other ministries, please visit www.livingleadership.org. God bless.